Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Love in Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Adam Gerlach. As always, thank you so much for being here, and I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I hope everyone has had an enjoyable and fulfilling holiday season, and I wish you all a happy new year. The Love in Basketball podcast explores servant leadership on and off the court, seeking a fuller picture and deeper understandings of this vision for leadership that holds people and results together. Today's episode is a conversation with Gus Arginal. Coach Arginal is the associate head men's basketball coach at Cal State Fullerton, where he's in his second season with the Titans and 17th year coaching in the collegiate ranks. Prior to Cal State Fullerton, Coach Arginal served as an assistant coach and then associate head coach at Nevada. His two seasons at Nevada featured two Mountain West Conference championships, two NCAA tournaments, and a Sweet 16 run. Coach Arginal also previously served as the head men's basketball coach at Cal State East Bay. I found this to be a conversation filled with vulnerability. Those who know Coach Arginal tend to associate him with energy and spirit. And in this conversation, he illuminates where that spirit comes from. He highlights that it comes not from a place of false positivity, but from a depth of self-regard and self-knowledge where he learned about himself during tough times that brought greater clarity to his purpose of serving others. He also explores more creative ways of learning about others, the power of listening, and returning with humility to the relationship. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Gus, I'm really excited to be with you here today. We've known each other in a variety of different roles and capacities over the years, and your spirit has always been inspiring to me and always something that I associate with you. How's your spirit here today, Gus? My spirit's high. I think uh, connecting on a day like this today in our country, election day for for us, um, I am doing extremely well. My family's super healthy. Um, I think that the chance for our young men to get back and be a part of their universities and actually go to school for what they're, they're going through is what we all want. Um, but my spirit, you know, I always say, I feel like I'm getting older and I have more grays and through the pandemic, my hair got longer, as you can see, and I got more grays. But um, I would say the one thing is I appreciate my opportunity to be about around young people more and more. And I think I'm more energetic than I was at 24, 25 when I was first starting. Um, and I feel like, you know, my heart is really free to this uh, position I have in terms of being myself and knowing what it is that I want to do to help people. Um, it is a tough time for, for everybody to go through um, trying to be good on the basketball floor, but also balance what's going on in everybody's lives mm. and keeping your spirit of wanting to be a competitor, but also knowing that the competitive field is much different for every program. Um, and also the academic field is different. Um, and then just socially, everything is different for the young people were around. So I have to be super cautious at times and make sure that I look at what they're going through compared to what I am. Cause my life is really good. And I have a little bit of a different take on what's going on at 39 than my 20 year old um, point guard does. Um, that's from Los Angeles. And, and so I have to 
judge that, but I'm doing extremely well. Um, and, and again, super excited to be sitting here in front of you who I've known for a long time. Uh, back when you first got into the game, the game connected us um, in terms of just wanting to teach. I was, I shouldn't have been teaching you or coaching you at the age that I was, um, but we were able to connect and, and it's so funny how the world is, brings us back full circle and now you're interviewing me. Yeah, it's uh, our, 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 our world, our lives have intertwined, our paths have crossed at, at many points during each of our journeys, whether it was, you know, you, you mentioned teaching and coaching me at the age that you were for our listeners. I was a, a, a camper at the XL in basketball camp at De La Salle High School run by Frank Alaco in the, the De La Salle program back in the Bay Area um, of California when uh, uh, Gus was instructing um, uh, we work together at Rice University as well, and uh, our paths are crossing um, here today as well. Uh, I'm glad that that your spirit um, is high. You, you know, for you mentioned something that um, for our listeners who have known you for a while, they might be surprised to hear that your energy level is higher now um, than it was when you were 23, 24. Um, I think you're you're typically someone who others have associated with high energy. Uh, what what is the what might be different? about that energy now, uh, besides just higher, um, what might be different about the energy now as opposed to when you were younger? I think the energy comes from a different place. At times, unfortunately, in every walk of business life, I think a lot of us are driven and, and very, you know, we wanna achieve and we wanna do well. And we look at well as, or doing good as a position, getting a better position, making more money, rising in your business ranks and you know all trying to achieve at a high level and i think sometimes we have to flip that and i think as you get older which is so funny because we're all judged at times um it's a good thing to be this fast and high riser and young guy that knows what's going on when in reality it takes a lot of time to find yourself and we are still finding ourselves and i think at this point being a father being a co this is my 17th year of coaching so that's a lot of experience in different times it doesn't feel like that but you know yourself much better. You know exactly who you are. And you find that going through tough times, great times and um, experiences that, that lead you down the road of just knowing yourself much better. So I think your energy comes from, well, I know that this is who I am, what I do, what I bring, what my worth is. And these are also things I'm not very good at. Um, and mm. I'm trying to get better at them. But at times I, I actually remove some of those things that I'm not great with. And I really try to focus on this is what I do and I help this is how I help. And I know my why. I know that I'm about relationships, number one. Um, and we can talk about winning, losing, and, and the growth of our young men, but really just building a relationship. I think right now in, in society, making people understand that the interpersonal relationship, how to communicate, um, how to help somebody else before you help yourself is something that, that I can bring to our players and our young men, our students, um, and, and I think it helps. And I do try to do that in, in my family, you know, with my friends. Um, but I think your energy goes up when you really know why you're bringing it. And it's not fake energy of the, of the fake rally clap. It's a true energy of I'm here and super excited to work with this young man today, whether it's on the floor, in my office, uh, walking around campus, um, talking to his parents on the phone. You're really there for them. You're really there to dive into them and people say pour into something a ton. Um, that's mm -hmm. a, that word that people use. And I think that if you really look at that, that is a, a true meaning. 
how much can I do today to help that person find out a little bit more about them and who they are as a person, young man? You, you've touched on so many tremendous aspects of service and servant leadership so far. Um, you know, earlier, and we might have missed it as well. You, you, you asked the, you, you highlighted, look at what someone else is going through versus what I'm going through, that aspect of empathy, empathy there, building a relationship, helping somebody else before you help yourself. And it, uh, you tied it back to this energy, um, the energy coming from a different place, a place of knowing yourself better after having gone through some trials and tribulations, maybe. Um, what, what might, uh, you know, I, I'm sensing that there might have been a crossroads or an activating moment for you along your path of servant leadership. What, what, what might have been that crossroads in your journey where, you know, maybe on, on, one, on run, one road we have that continued path of achievement, rising up in the profession, putting those things first, um, as opposed to, on the other hand, that path of the energy coming from a different place, a place of self-knowledge, self-regard, self-assuredness. It's a great question. I've, I've been asked it never like that, but also just what were some, what is, what do you think about a lot? And I, I always say, I try to run my own race and people say that a lot. Uh, I try not to look to the right and left. I try to look forward, but I will say that there was a moment in my professional and personal career that I always go back to. And it's very, it is very personal. Um, I was uh, in my fourth year of coaching. I was a director of basketball operations at university of Texas, San Antonio. And that is a job where you do essentially everything. And you've been in this role before really that isn't coaching. You're, you're doing logistical things. And for a coach, a young coach, it's part of your progression in the progression of the actual job part of it. And then usually from there, certain people are able to move on to be assistant coaches. And, um, and I was in my second year of that position and I had already been an assistant coach before. Um, but I left that position because I wanted to open up my, my eyes to the world live outside of California and in the West coast and went to Texas and I was doing that. And my best friend at the time, Robert Eason, I, I say his name, you know, he's heard the story many times. He was an assistant coach. He was a year younger than me. He was an assistant coach at the university of Maryland, which was in the ACC. Wow. So here I was, I was director of operations. Um, and he was an assistant coach. And if you look at those two worlds, it's completely different to where we were in terms of the level the title and I'm walking in from lunch and it's in the spring. It's after the season and in the spring and coaching, there's a lot of changing in your jobs and, and the head coach at Maryland had retired and uh, they had moved Rob from assistant coach to interim head coach at the university of Maryland. Wow. And I remember I was walking into, we called it the bird cage, the UTSA uh, gym. And my office was a, was truly a closet inside of one of the assistant coaches offices. And I remember I walked inside and literally when he told me that that had happened, I was so excited for him. And we were, you know, I was literally jumping up. I can remember being on the stairs, jumping up and down because I was so fired up for him. But then I hung up the phone and I immediately started crying hmm. immediately. Like the second that his voice, he couldn't hear me. It, my, all my emotions go, I should get chills thinking about it. Hmm. And I, I was, and I called my wife and said like, this is, what am I doing with my career here? You know, I'm not getting any breaks. I'm not doing this. I, I'm not getting really like, look at Rob. This is how does this go on with him? And I've wanted to be a coach my whole life since I was this, this, and this. And it really was at that time that I looked at myself and go like, you are so caught up in just not what you should be caught up in. You're so hmm. worried about your rise and you getting this and this and this. And Look at like the relationships you have with the staff that you're on. 
you're, my wife and I were experiencing a great time in San Antonio, like learning about ourselves as a young couple. Um, we had great young men that I was with every day and, and was really enjoying that time. But I was so worried about my end result that I literally, obviously, I wasn't where my feet were at all. Mm. Uh, I was looking to the right and the left. I was happy for my friend, but deep down, I held something against it. Mm. And I think we've all felt that at times where you feel yourself being selfish and you know you're not being a selfish, you're not a selfish person. And I just tried to remind myself of my why of, of what I'm doing. And, and I really stopped worrying about the level of basketball that I was at and more of, am I growing? Is it a chance for me to grow with my family? Is it something that um, I should experience? Is it a chance for me to be around a different type of person or student athlete? And I really try to push all that in the front. And because you're never gonna have a perfect experience, never perfect situation. Um, but I did realize at that time that I was deep down, not really living my why. I was too worried about what other people thought of me mm. uh, and what I was thinking about me and mm. who I was as a, as a leader. And I was, even as a director of operations, I was a leader. You have young men that are coming to your office, sitting you, talking to you about, and I, again, that's one thing that I think I can build is I take the time to sit and talk. Coaches say that a lot, but I, I really try to know them and, and, and feel their life and help them build the brotherhood that I experienced at a young age. So um, I just went, I keep, I went back to that, but that is a turning point for me. I always say the birdcage, the stairs, walking in after lunch, really trying to move my direction of why I did what I did to really Again, it's hard because we all have to make money. We all have to try to be successful, but you have to also understand why, what your definition of success is and who you want to be remembered as with other people, uh, not so much in the record books. I think it's how do you want to be remembered with the people that are your friends, family, and the people that you've been able to somehow touch. Um, and so that's, that's how I look at it. Um, but that was a tough day. Um, but a day you can see right now I laugh about. So Yeah. What, what a beautiful story, Gus. Thank you so much for, for sharing that with us. You got chills telling it. I got chills listening to it. Uh, and, and what a beautiful question there you asked um, at the end. How do you want to be remembered? Not in the record books, but amongst the people that you care about, amongst your relationships. Was I understanding that question correctly there? Yeah, I think that, you know, I, I do. I, I look at coaches' records, um, you know, and just maybe like you would look at in business, you know, what successful company is and the boss or a, a leader of that company, how they rose and became this and they've done this, this, and this. We look at wins and losses and who's gone to the NCAA tournament. And now actually having experience going to some of those, doing some of those things that I wanted to do that were my dream. And I never thought I'd be able to do. I never thought I'd be able to really or think that I could go to an NCAA tournament someday or to win a championship or to be ahead. You know, you think you can, but you to live those then you realize, well, what did I take so much out of each one of those? What were the biggest things? And it's like true flickers of time and moments where you feel fully that what you did with this person made them so much more happy. Mm. That's, that's crazy to, see, to think about. But I look at, you know, a moment where you're hugging a player uh, after a really bad loss. And wow, what an honor I had to be there when they were really struggling as a human. Um, and to be the person that they trusted enough to actually put their arms around and in our country right now, in our society right now, to, to think that I was the person that they leaned on or that somebody um, 
you know, graduates and you're there and they actually like feel like you have helped me do this. Wow. Like that's a pretty big honor. And even bigger than that is when you lose connection with somebody for a long time and then, and, and coaches will say this, but then there's that real meaningful call where a player will, will have started his own um, training business. Like I have a young man, Jared Jordan, who played with, for me at East Bay and he's the last person I would have thought. Not because he couldn't have done it, but just because, again, he had so many different things going on. He was getting pulled in so many ways, and now he's created this flourishing business and is an unbelievable family man. And just uh, you just – to feel like he's saying thank you to me for helping him along that journey. So, you know, the, the best test of servant leadership is do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become wiser, healthier, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves – to become servants. Um, I, you know, I heard you also ask the question of, were they happier as a result of our relationship as well? Um, you know, let's go, you know, in that moment, in that crossroads, back in the closet, uh, in the birdcage at UTSA, what, what helped you to take that step towards servant leadership as opposed to self-embeddedness, selfishness, uh, ego-driven behaviors? What, what helped you to take that step towards towards one versus the other? It's really, really hard to not go one way compared to the other. Um, and I always say that one way compared to the other isn't bad. It's just not what I want. Hmm. I think like you just have to know what you want. And so I'll hmm. give you examples. Like I've always wanted to have a family. It's not bad to not have a family. It's not, it's not bad to, to not be married. You know, it's not bad. Whatever, I just, you have to truly look at yourself and say, if I get paid a hundred thousand more dollars, am I going to be a happier man? Hmm. Or if I am giving my all and truly sacrificing some of myself to other people, will I be more happy? Will I be more happy through the success of others? And that is a very hard question. I think that's deep down in you. And there's certain people that that fits more um, and they get motivated more by that. Um, And so I do get more motivated by um, having somebody. Now, again, there's a little bit of selfishness in that too, because I love being a part of their journey. Hmm. Like I like having a little piece of that, that I can look back on with them and share that. That's probably the relationship, you know? So like I I always say my wise relationship, my wise brotherhood, it's people, loving and caring each other for each other. That is a tough one. And I think that, that the, the thing that triggers you or really helps you fight through it, you know, I always look at, I can be an example for other people. Um, I can show them that, hey, this is how you treat your wife or this is how you treat your son. This is how I, um, you treat other people that you're around every single day. Um, and it's just my natural, it's what I have. We all have this like special thing, you know, that, that you can do be, um, you have that, you know, I have it. I think that I know what mine is and mine is not driven by finances. It's not driven by that title because I've been at every different level of it. I've been in division two, like we said, director of operations, manager, division one. Um, and I think it is also always changing. You can still have goals, but want to serve other people. Hmm. Um, you can still want to, work at a certain institution like you talked about, or we talked about being at Rice, an institution like that. It's a beautiful, amazing 
thing to be a part of a university that cares so much about students and their growth. Um, but when you get to that place, are you worried only about you making that player be a better player? Or are you worried more, more worried about somehow making their life and their experience like what you're able to go through right now? Like what I'm, what I've had, uh, because I think that that's, again, we have our small calling that that's a little bit of mine is like, can I make their life just a tad bit better? I think if you're a servant leader, your job is to help. That's just it. Like you're just, mm. you're helping, you're just help, help, help. And a great leader, in my opinion, I always tell our players, keep it very simple. A great leader helps other people. That's it. That's all they do. Mm. So you want to be a great leader and all the players always say, Gus, how do I be a better leader? Did you help Adam today? Did you help Gus? And what, give me an example of what you did. You know, did you, did you text him in the morning and say, I know you had a rough day. Like, let's go. Like, let's have a great day or just something little. Um, and again, like you're helping me today hmm. because I'm thinking about my life in a different way that I don't normally do. And for a, a brief flicker of an hour, or whatever it is, you're making me look inside myself. Thank you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be I'm so I'm grateful to be helping you and to share again, to share this moment with you here today. Your job is to help. I want to let that word or let that phrase, that sentence, you know, ring and sit with, with our listeners. You mentioned this balance of that the, the servant leader, the leader who helps others first can also have some, uh, we'll call them selfish. I'm using air quotes here. Some, maybe uh, some actions that are based out of some self-interest at times, but there's that balance um, of, you know, self-interest and helping. What is the, what does the servant leader concern himself or herself with in order to help? Finding out more about other people constantly, um, finding different ways to do that. I think that if you're concerned with, um, you know, and that's one thing I'll go back to with the goals. Sometimes, a servant leader can be best in a position that maybe in my business, it would be a head coach compared to an assistant coach because it changes a relationship um, and a dynamic. It teaches them how to be closer with their, in some ways, not their boss, but somebody that they normally wouldn't um, have a relationship with at, at a higher level. So I think that concerning yourself with this different ways to figure out a problem, a, a different way to, and that's something that I would say my energy comes from is I think I do more creatively to get to know people than I used mm. to. Mm. Nowadays, okay, I'm going to go to a cup of coffee, go to lunch, uh, come by my office. Well, is that, is that the most creative way? Well, what about, what about actually taking the time and, you know, calling somebody's mom and just talking to them for 10 minutes and they never know that you ever did that. And creating a, a real bubble around them and where you know more, you actually really know this person or, um, you know, really taking the time to maybe have that person come over to your house and see what you do and how you act and how you live. Um, or when they have a great day, bringing them aside and going to talk to them about things that they can get better at instead of waiting for a poor day in terms of their attitude or whatever it may be. I think we're very, as leaders, sometimes we are, we get, concern of solving a problem mm. whereas finding where i think at times what makes i think i'm getting better at is knowing 
the ins and outs so that when the problem does happen, this is how I can solve it for them or help them with that. I know this young man's a little bit more emotional with this type of a situation than he is with this. And so that helps me coach him. I had a one yesterday that, that I felt like I failed in. We were in practice and I won't name the young guy's uh, name, but this really happened. He just went into a shell of himself. And it's the first time I'd ever seen his body language and how he was treating his teammates and how he was communicating, not be right. Uh, not be a positive energy. He's great. And some people just, it's hard for them to have great positive energy all the time, especially when they're tired and they're working in an athletic setting. And at that moment, my response to him was more, it wasn't what he needed to be honest with you. And I went the way that I thought he needed, which was, I thought I could maybe challenge him a little bit in front of the group um, in terms of, Hey, your body language needs to improve. Like we, we see it, we feel it. Let's, let's go. Let's help him out. Whereas what he needed was, me to allow him, and I talked to him about this later on that night, to like come over to me and, and tell me what was going on because that's what he was going to do. Mm. Um, so you you live and you learn, but I think we, we need to be concerned with knowing more about the subject, the problem, the person that you're trying to help before you really can help them because it's not all going to be cookie cutter. You do this, this, and this, and then you're going to make them better. Mm. Dive into that thing more. Yeah. I'm hearing from you uh, that the the relational the relationship is is first as opposed to the the problem or the technical being first. Yeah, and that's hard. I think I'm 39 years old, and most of the players that I student athletes and players that I work with are are between 18 and 23. Um, and so, what I can give them, who I can, what I can give them is my experience when I was a player, which I wasn't very good, but what I can give them to as a leader, which I felt like I was, hmm. and. And at that age, I could see myself getting molded as a leader through the coaches I was around in terms of coaches took the time to say, you need to communicate differently and you need to do this. And here's an example of what you can do here. Um, some players don't get coaching and some coaches like you are, um, they don't avoid, but they, they avoid the little things that can help lead. Um, and I'll give you an example of something that I, um, when I was a player, there was a there was a young man that I always that I played with that was so talented, and he was a, he was amazing. His name is Fauzi Abdel Samad. He was phenomenal. We were totally different people, hmm. and we were really struggling. This is totally off topic, but you just had me going about, it and I wanted to give you. Uh, yeah, I love it. Keep going. An example of a young person trying to learn how to lead, so younger that's not experienced in practice. I just kept on. Like, we need you to do this. We need you to do this. Come on, Fauzi, go harder, go harder. And it just wouldn't, it just never resonated. We didn't connect. We, hmm. There was something missing. And I remember I walked by the coach's office and I went to the coach's office and said, guys, honestly, I, I quit with trying to help Fauzi. You want me to, to help him be on our page of what we see as a, our team moving in the right direction? And they said, well, it's just because you don't, you don't really care about Fauzi. Hmm. You really don't. Like, how many times have you really talked to him instead of just yelled at him from two to four? And like you've spoken to, that is somebody who I was the oldest person. I was maybe the top of our team in terms of age. And I was just constantly looking down and not trying to build him up and not really trying to get to know him and not really trying to have a relationship. And I remember that, that second I text him and I met him on campus. We ate lunch together, truly. The first time I'd ever just 
done that with him. And we'd sat on the bus together and we'd done this, but I decided we were going to do this at this time with him and he wanted to do it. And it'd be amazing to see what happened the next week. And then our relationship, and we're still very close. He's actually a screenwriter here in LA. And it's, it's just like teaching people. You have to teach. And I think like you're, what you do is so special because you're teaching people how to reach others. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it, it sometimes is very simple things that we don't want to do. But that's part of, you know, our life and leadership is, you know, helping people become who they want to be, even though they don't want to do the things that they know they need to do to do that. Hmm. Or maybe they don't know they need to do that, but we know they need to do that. And um, I think sometimes in coaching, it's, it's you get very lucky that you have teachers that show you just little tricks of the trade to try to help you become a better connector. What, what allowed you to, to shift to caring for Fauzi? Outside of two to four, I know m- many people in that instance might say, well, it's his fault. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, uh, I don't need to care about him beyond two to four. He needs to show up and do his job. And, and if I get on him, he needs to play better and harder. I, I don't need to care about him more. He, he, like, he needs to care about me or the team more. What's, What's between these two? What's between these two ends of the spectrum here, maybe, or what's between these two examples? Well, I'd say that very often right now, I think in young people, that's what I deal with. So it's different than for other businesses. But they are very. I'm going to do my job well. I'm going to show up and work hard, and they should follow me. And we have that going on in our program at times. And this is where what your tire speaking to is. Yes, in my head was. I'm going to somehow break down his wall by doing the same thing over and over and over again, which mm-hmm. is push him, challenge him when we get to a practice setting or a team setting. And, and that goes back to, well, isn't that kind of like the common uh, definition of like insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and the same result continues to happen, but you continue to do the same thing. So, but I was young and I had not thought about it from a different lens, a different, you know, way of, of, of seeing it. And I was lucky that a coach said, you know, it it probably hit me. And you talked about what triggered me or what, what made me feel it was, you don't care about him. Hmm. And then I probably, that made me feel like, well, no, I do care about him. I, you know, I love Fauzi. Well, you do do really, the word love is a powerful word and you don't just give that to somebody without really earning that. So no, no, no. I always tell our players, don't say that unless, because, and again, love in a setting of sport, in a setting of business is a much, it's a, it's a kind of a weird word for people to say. I always, I believe that that's like one of the biggest things in your program or in your family, obviously is love. So I think that when they said, you don't care about them, that, that made me feel like, okay, I got to change. I think it's very common in relationships when your spouse says, you think you're doing this, but you're not, I'm not getting this from you. And then you, you do because you love that person so much. You truly have to step back because you care more about that person than you do how you feel at that moment. Hmm. And then you go, I'm not, I'm not doing it right. And so um, at that moment, and that's, that's me as a person. I think that's the stuff that gets me going is if you tell me that you're being selfish or you don't care enough. Whereas some people, like you said, they might, you know, drop, drop a curse word and walk out and, and say, no, that's, that's ridiculous. Like if you want to think like that, I'd say that that's probably who I am as a person is they, that coach right at that moment hit me with the word that hurt, which hmm. is you don't care about. Hmm. 
And I think that in my life, that's what I want people to think is I cared about them. And so that I didn't just care about winning, you know, or being successful in terms of the win loss column or money or whatever it is. And so that at a young age triggered me to want to just do something different. And again, then I felt like I was almost in such a scramble that it was just like, okay, I got to go see that person. And that's mm-hmm. how I am as a, maybe as a leader, I try to, and, it, and I, I go back to my wife, but you, I think you learn a lot about yourself as a leader from relationships. And I, my wife gets so annoyed at me because I always want to talk it out or I want to, and sometimes she doesn't want to talk it out right then. And I have to learn how to be understanding of that. Um, but at that moment, we both connected in a time where he, he wanted me to talk to him and hang out with him and be that, but we had never done it because I was so busy doing it my own way. So hmm. um, I think that sometimes, you know, that's why your job is so important because the way that you approach a question or a person can truly change their aggression to solving it um, and their urgency to do so and their way about doing it. Um, and I think that's our job as, as leaders is to be creative and try different things and be accepting that we're not doing it perfectly and we need to find better avenues to help others. Perhaps what I heard in in your response there and correct me if I'm wrong, Gus, is that love allowed you to do it someone else's way. That was perhaps certainly different, but better maybe than your own way. Yes. 100%. And the, the love Again, like I said, the love is really caring about my teammate, really caring about him as a person, but on a, on a shallow sense of not, not wanting to, uh, being stubborn, that's what it comes down to. Hmm. I was hmm. being too stubborn in yeah. my, my view of helping him. Yeah. You've introduced the word love here. This is the the love in basketball podcast. And, uh, you know, I believe that love is at the heart. Uh, of servant leadership. What is, what does love mean for you, Gus? In my, in my, and now love overall um, is my relationships with my family and, and the people that I care about so much and that I would do so much for love in my work place in terms of, and I'm very lucky that I, my work and life are very like connected hmm. um, and at certain places and at different places, they won't be. I've been where that's not true. It's not like that. Uh, but for me, and I've had experience of being a head coach, and I really tried to make that be the forefront of building a community of people that are trying to help each other, that understand that it's not perfect, that that love in a, relation, in a relationship and coaching is you're going through so much together that you understand the sacrifices that somebody else is doing for you. It's appreciation. Um, it's high appreciation, you know, low entitlement, being together. Um, and then I, I think that the, that biggest thing with the, the love part of it is that it's total transparent communication between two people. Um, and it's, and it is actually like, like, I feel like I love Trey Malden, one of my former players. I love Palm Singh, one of my former players. I, I do. Now you don't have that with every single student athlete you're around, um, because at that time in their life, they weren't ready for that. Hmm. And maybe, maybe it, it was a connection that wasn't great. You'll not connect with every single person. Um, but I think that if you build a community of caring about each other and 
trying to work together to make that person their best along with your team um, that you build a relationship that is much more than just friendship. It's, it's this person is um, extremely trusting of me and um, believes in me and has blind faith uh, in me as a person um, that I'm trying to do the best thing for them constantly. Um, and that they're doing that for me. And I always say like, I'm not just going to suddenly jump up and love a, 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 a player in the first month or two or three. And it doesn't need to be a year, but there's a time that you build on all these different parts. Um, and you fail during that, you know, as a coach, you fail and you have to realize how to mend a fence between hmm. a player that you're really close to that you mess up with. Like yesterday I messed up with one of our players and I called him last night on the way home and I was talking to him about that and I gave him my side of it. He gave him his side of me, his side of it. And I hope today when I see him, I go up and give him a hug that we're good. Hmm. And we can go from there. But I think you need those moments. Cause I think too honest, honestly too much, too often people don't admit mistake. And I don't think you're going to ever build love without knowing that you're wrong. You know, you, you mentioned some things that are really difficult. You have to admit mistakes. You have to be transparent or, you know, uh, transparent communication is one of those, one of those things. Try to help others. These are sometimes hard things to do. Um, why concern ourselves with love? What's possible with love at the heart of leadership? I think that if you achieve an extremely high level and you, whatever it is, and you're successful, and I'm putting up the air quotes too, you're successful, you've achieved a goal that you wanted to achieve, it's a great feeling. Um, to go to the NCAA tournament is a great feeling in, in college basketball or winning a championship. But the lasting effects of that success fade away on people and I, like I said, they stay in the record books and they stay hanging in a gym. Hmm. But the lasting relationship or the lasting feeling amongst the people changes if you have love. Hmm. It makes a successful moment last so much longer and burn so much brighter. And I think motivates you. And if we talk again, I get a little bit of the chills. You talk about the energy of life. Think about how much more fun it is to succeed while everybody's together. And again, it's not perfect. Love doesn't mean everybody's on the same page every day. It means that deep down they know that the majority and that you care about them as much as possible as you can. And you're really working. It's, it's really just working towards that. Hmm. Because, you know, in, in any relationship where love is, like every second you're not staring at each other's eyes and blinking and love's flying out of your eyes, right? Yeah, yeah. But your feeling that you get at the end of the success is, is so much different. The feeling of um, 20 years of marriage with a beautiful f family feels different than maybe a family that's a little bit broken up and it, it's struggling and it has fracture and isn't really having transparent communication. So when it comes to my job, I've had it both where, you know, I've had a losing season where you win eight games and you feel the locker room, you felt like you just won the national championship because it was such a journey of people together for a moment of time in their life that we're all helping each other. But then at that second that the, you walk out the locker room, it is just essentially the tip of the iceberg of your growth as a, as a family, as a, as a relationship. And so, and then there's times where you win at an extremely high level and you walk out there 
and the relationship ends in a lot of ways. Hmm. Because like we've talked about in the word that always run, it's transactional. It's you helping me right now and I'm going to help you. And, and that's that. And I just think that the love changes your energy and your experience. And again, for me, I live for the experience of my life to have that feeling. I think that's much more powerful. And I hope that I can show my boys, my sons, that that's what motivates you in life is the experience of being together with people and helping them and you help and you get so much more, but that love just takes a win. It's like this, you, you win, you win a big game. Well, I think it, it is true. A lot of times you feel a lot better when you win at the buzzer and uh, it's a game winning shot. Well, I think that when you have love and a win, every win is like that. And every mm-hmm. success has a little bit more of that excitement energy because you're really together. Yeah, and, and what is that? How does that excitement or energy move forward? Um, what does that excitement or energy allow you to do as opposed to maybe that transactional win or that transactional relationship where it just stops at the buzzer? Well, it's like, it's like us right now. We have a relationship we've had. And again, you and I could go through years of not talking or a year of not talking, and then we're back here and we're actually trying to help each other. Hmm. If you don't love somebody or care about somebody, that ends a little bit. And like I always say is when it ends, it's actually a really sad thing Mm because you know, and that person knows, and I've been there. So I'm saying this from experience. I'm not perfect. There's relationships with players that have not grown from the day that I've coached them. And at times you think about them when you're driving in the car. Um, And so that might be the day you call them to try to reconnect and do that. But I think that's why it's so important to, dive into somebody when they're with you or you're Mm -hmm. around because you'd be surprised at what you'll do later down the road. And I'll give you an example that we had. I coached a young man uh, named Demario Sims at Chico state. And he's one of my first recruits that I recruited there. Uh, He's an African American young man from Oakland. His parents were both one, his mom had passed away. His father wasn't his life. He was a story of just how does this guy make it? Uh, And he comes to Chico state, he barely gets into school and literally goes on to have one of the greatest basketball careers, successful academically. And his whole time through, he wanted to be a police officer. Graduates, goes to the academy, does all that. And then fast forward this year, during all this that we have going on in our society, I have him speak to our team at Fullerton. And, and that started in 2007 or eight when he was 17 and I recruited him. And to have him still in my life, and now he just helped 20 young men that were like him however many years ago that was over a decade ago that is the difference you you Mm. continue to build and make other people better Mm. now he's coaching now he's investing in others and if i don't have my relationship i don't have what i have with him and the care and a love and a trust you know so powerful he got on the call and um in front of our team um who's a majority african-american um so different people um, Mexican, African American, yeah, blended. He hops on there, and the first person he talks to is me. Coach, yeah, I love it. It's so good to see you know. And it's it's that's a that's a thing that shows other people. Then then my players see that wow, coach actually like he just said he loves this guy. Like what is going on here? You know, it, it's a different. It just it just it, it's like it's like the saying and I don't know Sandlot the heroes are remembered legends never die I think that when you have love like your relationship never dies hmm. um, and you always are impacting that person they, they don't even know it and then they realize it because you have that 
when it ends and it's transactional, you just don't live as bright in that person, you know? And, and I think for me, I just want to, you know, keep trying to put a little, you know, flicker of light into somebody, you know? Flicker of light. Uh, I, I love that. Um, the image that comes to mind here is that, um, you know, love continues to have a positive impact in our society. Um, no matter the circumstances, perhaps. Am I understanding that correctly from you? Yes. And, and I think that you get that with certain people. You and I both grew up around Frank Alaco, who was a famous coach in the Bay Area and a high school coach. But he used to always say that is, if I can impact you just a little bit enough to help you understand how to fight through adversity in whatever you do, um, then I've really, really made a lasting leadership impact on you. Um, mm. I'm a better man. I think when you when you say that it makes somebody a better man um, uh, through basketball or teaching, um, poof, uh, there's is there anything more powerful than that? You know, and there's so many different ways that he does that. And he still, I just talked to him last week, and so there's a lasting relationship that after 1999, he still, you know, talks to me as if I was 18 again, um, and and we have a different relationship. I think that's one thing that your leadership to another person has to grow with them growing. Hmm. So now the conversation that you have when they were a senior in college changes to now they're a man. Here's how, what I can do to help you navigate this tough time of you trying to find a job. Um, and here's some things that I went through and, and you keep that, you keep trying to lead them. It doesn't end. Um, whereas in the transactional world that will end um, because you don't get anything back. But, but in our world where we serve them, we are constantly because their success is our success. I am you because of you. Hmm. Best you, it makes me the best me. Um, I walk around happier knowing that I know deep down in my head that you are having the success that you have. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It's really beautiful. What are the obstacles? What are the struggles and challenges that you encounter um, in your servant leadership in loving others and, transparent communication and admitting mistakes and finding creative ways to learn about someone else. What are the struggles, challenges, obstacles that you encounter uh, on your path of servant leadership? I would say the biggest one that does stick with me is just failure to connect. With hmm. Whereas like, like I, again, I could say their names, but I know their name. I'm thinking about them right now. And there's certain players. I think I had 30, uh, I'll go from my example as a head coach at Cal State East Bay. I had 30 different players that we recruited during that time in four years. And not all 30 do I have the same relationship I have with Jack Pasquini. Um, and Jack's a fireman. Um, and so, like, I look at that and I go, that is the hard part, is that you do care so much about helping people um, and working towards that, that at times the hard part is when do you stop in terms of them not wanting to accept it hmm. and really put your energy away from that person. Do you ever stop? Do you have to pull back and realize this isn't working? My mission is not theirs. The, the connection with this uh, is not there. And I did a poor job of maybe reaching them early. You, you kind of look back and go, where did I fail on this one? Or you look at it and go, it saddens me that they don't believe in what I believe in. Hmm. And, and I wish they could have, cause I think it would have been more fulfilling for them. Um, and so that's, that's a hard part of it is, um, you know, that 
where it just doesn't, it's never, it never becomes together. It's always just pushing and pulling and never really right there. And then the other thing that I would say is hard with certain leadership is you have to understand that what your success, everybody says, what's your definition of success? Well, you have to understand that if you do serve and lead and do your job correctly in all different parts of it, you will have success. Hmm. You will like, there's no way you won't because again, you will have fulfillment. You will be, um, changing people. You'll be changing yourself. You'll be growing. Um, and you will have followed your own heart and done it the way that you know is best for you. Um, I think too often, like I said, we look at other people's race, how they're running it. You can't do that. You have to be you, um, and be fully you. And I think that that, um, outlasts everything else, you know, but, but in our world of you have to have a deadline or you have to have a, um, 20 wins, a million dollars produced by this company. Hmm. The challenge then is how do you get both done? Um, and I think that you have to bring that as part of your mission is we also, I'm going to try to make you be successful and, and yeah. compete within that. Um, but not sacrifice yourself for the competition, you know, cause there's a, there's a billion ways we all can survive in this world. Um, and it's just sometimes taking the time to like reinvent yourself when that one Avenue you think is great is not what it should be. Hmm. Uh, I've had multiple players and people that I invest in that they, they have that and you have to help them. Sometimes, like we said that it doesn't fit you. You can't be 100% you because then maybe that business, platform doesn't allow you to do that. So that's not a great fit for you, you know? Um, so, uh, the biggest one though, for me, going back to your original question is I, I hate the, the feeling of, I have, I failed a young man in terms of making them understand that portion of leadership more and, and serving somebody else that, that, I guess the failure is they don't understand that they're a servant leader now. Hmm. They think that they're a student athlete still that needs to be served. Hmm. or led where they should be leading the others when they walk out the gym. What's the difference there? What, what does it look like uh, when someone expects to be served or to be led um, versus uh, serving others? What, what, what might that look like? Wow. It, it, it's really ugly to be very honest with you. And it's hard. And I think that it, it comes from, you know, being a child and, and how you're raised, but I, I would say that it's whew, when somebody believes they should be served, there's no appreciation in anything that goes on and, and, and you can't lead them because you're always frustrated with them. Hmm. You can't, it's very hard to get to somebody when they feel like they have to be led. They need constant handholding in life, not, not in basketball, not in, but, but they, they need to be motivated. They need to be pushed, brought there, do done this. And I think that at times certain people just have that in them where they haven't been forced to figure it out. Uh, but I have two boys and at times I feel like I'm doing that with them. So it's my job um, to help them help themselves. Hmm. And yeah, what, is, what are some of the things that you do in those moments um, when someone is expecting to be led or wanting to be served? Uh, what do you do in those moments to help them help themselves? Well, specific, and again, I'm not going to go into bow and ace, my two boys, because we don't want to hear what happens around the, uh, the breakfast table in the morning. I could give you one this morning, but 
but I will say that just in, in the most small examples of, of like teaching people to be a better worker, uh, teaching somebody to be more prepared. So a young man walks into a gym and you've gone through this and there's five minutes before his moment to begin practice. And he still is just lollygagging, trying to put on his uniform. And I think it, back when I was younger, I would yell across the gym, like, we're starting in five minutes, let's go. Hmm. Now I think I'll take the response of going over to him and saying, why are you doing this right this second? Hmm. What do you want people to think about you right now? And the player will look at me and say, I, what do you mean, coach? Well, I want you to be a leader. So I want you to walk in here, ready to go going up to every single guy on the team, give them a high five, bring, approach what you're doing different. I think that before I would, like I said, I would get upset. Well, they don't know what they don't know. Hmm. Um, so, you know, preparing them academically. Well, they walk in my office, hey, let's talk about uh, English class. Um, well, what do you want to talk about? Okay, well, show me this, show me your planner for the week. What, what planner for the week? What do you, you have to, you have to teach. They have, you have to let them know. And, you, and again, you, you did this at an extremely high level when I was around you is you have to help people organize themselves. Um, and that's part of the, the process of this is like all the, the things that you think that people know how to do, they don't know how to do. Um, and then I think in you leading them down that path, they then understand that, wow, this guy is not, he doesn't just care about me for hoops. And then after practice, you talk to that same guy that said, Hey, tomorrow, the response that I need you to have as a leader is if you see somebody acting and not prepared to be their best, you need to go up to them and be like, hey, in five minutes we're starting and the coaches, we need you to be right and ready to go and, and ready to practice and participate at a high level. Yesterday I did the same thing that you did. And, and I don't want you to have to go through what, what I did, which was the coach to come over and talk to me. Now you have a guy that's leading, hmm. actually showing somebody how to be a better version of themselves. And again, not to say that he was wrong, he wasn't, but we all know that if we get ready for to go meet with somebody, if we don't do research on that person or we don't um, know about the situation, then we're going in unprepared. We're not the best version of ourselves. Yeah. Um, so again, tiny little things that you may do um, that I think go a long way. And I think, like I said, it's communication. It sucks to go over to the, to the young man and say, Hey, to have a, to take a deep breath and walk over there and approach him the right way. Um, but I think that's what our world's missing is, is people that are willing to take the extra time. Yeah. You know, what I'm taking away from our, one of the big things, I'm taking away many, many things from our conversation so far. One of the big things I'm taking away is to always return to the relationship. Yep. There's that constant return of finding, of, of, as you said, your job is to help. Um, but you do that by finding out more about the other person and more creative ways of knowing. And that when something might go wrong, or something isn't what you're wanting or expecting, there's returning with humility back to the relationship um, and communicating and listening and seeking to understand um, the empathy you, you spoke of earlier. Is, you know, th th what they're going through isn't what I'm going through. What are some of these qualities that you hope to keep at the forefront in those conversations with others when you're returning to the relationship? when you're communicating, what are the qualities that are important for you to keep at the forefront? Is allowing somebody else to speak. Hmm. Well, actually listening. I, I think I do a poor job at times of doing that. I think that I'm trying to think about how I can help them when I need to hear them. Hmm. 
like I, I'm always thinking, okay, this, I need him to understand this. I need this, 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 and this. Well, it's, he'll tell me, he'll give me the answers to the questions by us just communicating hmm. and really having patience of understanding, like listening is listening is so you have to be so patient and actually want to hear what they're saying and then filtering through what they said and trying to find those answers in the, you know, that they're giving you. I think that's the number one is, is can I listen to them when I go back to those conversations um, and then not get too emotional? I think like your biggest strength is your biggest weakness. Um, I'm an emotional person, uh, which I think does help you be a servant leader at times, but it can also hurt you because you become frustrated. You can become angry. You can become stubborn. And when you don't, feel like it's going correctly. So I have to stop myself, take a deep breath. Um, and I actually always say this, it's not in a bad way, but I always say that sometimes when I go into these conversations, I need to be cold heart. Mm. Uh, cold heart, I think was in like, um, care bears. I think he was the bad guy. And, uh, okay. <laughs> but you know, it was like ice. And I think at times you have to be that because you have to take the information. Hmm. And you can't be so emotional and you have to see what's being said and feel it in a, or not feel it as much or just get the whole outline. And then as you go back and read that, it helps you have empathy in the situation. Wait, he said that he feels like everybody's getting, you know, is against him. Where does hmm. that come from? What is it? What does against him mean? Does he mean just with the coaches? Does he mean with his family? Does he mean in society? Does he mean his teachers against him is a very, defensive phrase. So that's something I got to hit on with him. Okay. You said this a little bit. Tell me about that. Um, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm getting yelled at. Okay. And that's a very common thing in the workplace in basketball yeah. in society. Okay. That hurts him. That, that really affects him that he doesn't like that. Well, if we're going to lead him, then you have to understand that. And you're going to have to raise your voice and teach but that's not at them. That's for them. That's instructing them. And, th and then you have to have the conversation. Well, when I raise your voice like this to you, it's because I want everybody to hear me, not because I'm mad at you. And you have to explain and talk and you have to disarm yourself. Um, hmm. them. I think you really, and again, I try to do it. I don't have a, I don't have a notebook. I see you have a notebook. I don't do that. I think I have a pretty good memory. Um, but what I will do is I will, I have my phone, I have my notes and I will literally just put like, Adam dash anger, Adam dash sad. And literally at times I'll go back and I have like a file at the end of the year, like this much of a guy. Hmm. Uh, and it has helped me a ton. Cause I go, wow, like this kid has had a lot of this go on, you know? And why is that? Why is this person feeling this way? Um, so. Yeah. That's a, I love that practice that you're bringing to, to the table here of, you know, uh, going back and taking notes and then reviewing them perhaps at the end of the year and, or at different moments, looking for trends to improve your relationship. Um, what, what are some additional ways that we might move some of these things forward that you've brought to the table here today of, you know, your job is to help listening, return to the relationship, um, transparent communication, admitting mistakes. What are some other practices maybe that, that, um, we might bring to the table in order to move some of these, uh, some of these things forward. Well, I always say in relationships, you always want an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. And so obviously in my business, I can't give them gifts. It's actually illegal, which is 
a whole other part of coaching, but I would say that that's unexpected time that you give. Mm. Uh, so I think that surprising people when you show interest in them does surprise them. Mm. So, you know, um, doing little things for somebody are huge. And an example that I did as a head coach every week on Friday, I met with every single player and I allotted, I think it was like 35 minutes and it started at 7am and it ended however long it took. And so I would see, I would literally go from every part of that week with them, their life. But I did every single week that I was around them from September to June. And we weren't around them in the summer as much. Um, and so you literally build, and I kept a, I kept a, not a journal, but a, a file for each guy. Mm -hmm. And that consistency is hard. So doing something like that in terms of building your relationship. So as you're teaching somebody, I think it's really important to set a time to talk um, and to, mm. to really like voice, but you have to set it down. You can't say, Hey, let's, let's talk sometime this week. No, you have to say on Friday at 8am, you're going to commute and we could do it via zoom. We could do it in person. We could do it coffee. We could do it however, but that conversation quickly goes to something different. And if you continue to do it, you'll be surprised at how much 30 minutes in 20 weeks becomes hmm. like, think about how many people you have a 30 minute conversation with every week. And now if you do that multiple weeks and you're getting into 20 plus weeks of, of a school year, you know, it really is almost 36 weeks, whatever it is, you're really making a powerful impact on knowing that person um, in their life. Yeah. Uh, I also think that it's really important to um, constructively criticize and to help. But I also think it's very important to make other people know that somebody has real positives. Hmm. So coaching, sometimes they call them put ups. Hmm. And you'll see teams of people talk about, Hey, go around and just say something positive about this person and really think about it before you say it. I think it's important for your relationship to grow that you tell them what you really think is positive about that. Hmm. I think so often we're trying to make people better as coaches that we forget that they are really unbelievable already. Yeah. You know, I love this about you that you are an emotional person um, that, you know, gets other people excited about what they do every day. And I think just doing that, a simple text email goes a super long way. Um, and it allows you then to build them when you have to constructively criticize or give them things they can do better. Awesome. Yeah. How, how many times, how great would it feel if, if we had someone just saying, uh, Gus, I love this about you, Adam, I love this about you on a regular basis and, you know, focused on elevating our strengths as opposed to, uh, putting us down or, um, you know, only focusing on our, on our weaknesses. How much, how much better would we all be for that? Right. And again, I, I think about that because I, I remember talking to a junior college coach one time that said he only texts his players after eight o'clock at night, a positive thing, nothing else. Hmm. When they go to bed at night. They have that feeling of comfort that the coach does think about them. I mean, when you text somebody, you're thinking about that person. Last night I got a text from one of our players um, and he, he literally just put, and he had had a pretty tough day. He said, thanks for believing in me. And to hmm. think about that, um, that was pretty like, and he's never talked to me like that before. He's never said, I've never said the words, I believe in you. Um, I think it was maybe just how we coached him yesterday. And yeah. What, what, what do you think? What do you think led him to send that text? What do you think led him to, to say that? 
well, him on a personal level, he was really struggling in a couple of drills and I was just being raw, raw, fun, joking with him, telling him we were going to make through it, you know, get to get through this together, joking, uh, just kind of being one of the guys with him and, and, and laughing with him. And, you know, he was kind of laughing. And then he started playing a little bit better and we started, you know, just being together on the journey of the day, hmm. you know, and, and I really, again, it's funny you say, cause I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was something. So I can't tell you always, right? I can't tell you why you connect with somebody at a moment better, but we did. Um, and he, that was so special that he actually, somebody that I'm leading came back and said, man, thanks for believing in me. So it, now I'm inspired to coach him today, yeah. even more so than I was before. Hmm. Whereas if you would text me like, coach, why don't you believe in me? Think about how like now I'd be on the defensive. I got to connect with him somehow. Whereas he made me feel like, man, we're, we're, we're kind of coming together. And now I'm going to be ready to even coach him better today. Hmm. He helped me. Awesome. Gus, it's been amazing to be together on the journey of this day today with you. Uh, what are you hoping? What's been most important for you from this conversation? What are you hoping? What are you hoping that listeners walk away with from, um, from this conversation? That you're, at times you're going to have these amazing dreams and aspirations for yourself. And we all do and should and goals, but that to somehow simplify what it is that you're these vast things in your head that you're so excited about achieving and realize that by you following simple, a simple guideline, like servant leadership, like a simple mission of your life, you will achieve so much more in terms of your fulfillment and, and selfishly, you get so much more out of it. Hmm. Um, and then unselfishly, you help so many more people than you actually think you do. Hmm. And that we, you should want to achieve those goals. And you will. Like, I feel like I always said I wanted to do this. And I've done a lot of those things. And I still have more I want. But I know that the only way for me personally to get it and to actually be excited about getting it when it happens is that I'm doing it with people totally for them to have that experience them experiencing what I want to experience allows me to then be fully fulfilled. Um, and so I think just keeping your eye, not on the prize, but on the person Hmm. like that, that prize is great, but just keep your eye on the person that you're helping doing it with. Um, you'll, you'll feel so much more of a complete, um, leader, uh, servant leader at the end of the day. Um, if you do it unselfishly. Keep your eye not on the prize, but on the person. If you had to use one word, one phrase to describe servant leadership, Gus, what what word, what phrase might that be? Blind faith. I always say that. I believe in blind faith and not on a, it can be in a spiritual standpoint, but more of um, when you have servant leadership, you are blindly having faith that you are, that your impact on them will help them be a better person. Hmm. Saying that my impact, like I believe in this and it's, it's not, has not come to fruition yet. So in servant leadership, your leadership goes on for so long that you don't really end up seeing the end of it. Hmm. You impact them so much that, so that's just having faith that blindly this is going to really help them. So I think that's such a powerful thing. And it is, I guess, at the end of the day, in some ways, really spiritual with your connection with somebody else yeah. that you're investing in them, not knowing if it's going to be perfect but truly having faith that it will blindly. Um, but, but really you're also, you know, deep down in your heart and convicted that 
that you see clearly that it is going to help them. Um, so serving and leading blindly with great faith and strength is almost like a guarantee. Uh, investing and uh, doing it anyway, despite not knowing what the result might be. Um, it's, it's what I heard and took away from you there. 100%. And um, I appreciate it, man. And uh, this was phenomenal for me. And, and thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely, Gus. Thank you. Uh, what, what a beautiful conversation. And uh, again, I'm so grateful to be together on the journey of the day uh, with you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. Next week's episode features a conversation with Ben Sanders, video coordinator for the Long Island Nets, the Brooklyn Nets G League affiliate. Coach Sanders has extensive G League experience, having also previously served on the staffs of the Rio Grande Valley Vipers and the Windy City Bulls, including serving as an assistant coach with Windy City last season. Subscribe now, share with others, and I'd love to hear from you. Rate and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or reach out with questions, reflections, and feedback via social media. You can find me on Twitter, at Adam Gearlock, or Instagram, at Adam.Gearlock, or email me at Adam at AdamGCoaching.com. I send you all my well wishes, blessings, and grace for the new year. I'm so excited to continue to explore servant leadership and share love in basketball with you. Thank you.